you are listening to the Not Neurotypical Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Stan, and this podcast is all about being neurodivergent in a really neurotypical world. I am a married mom of three, or well, I'm trying to stay married, and I also work, or well, I try to work. Well, anyway, if you don't mind me using you as therapy, strap on your seatbelts, hold on tight, because it's probably going to be a bumpy ride. Hey everyone, Laura Stan here. I wanted to shoot out a really quick announcement before we get into episode six of the Not Neurotypical podcast. Thanks for tuning in, by the way. Real quick, I have something to share with you that is so exciting. I have been working on a project, I'll call it, that I think is going to be awesome for all of us, everyone listening, myself included, and I can't really share too much more than that except stay tuned, listen to the podcasts as they come out because I will be updating you with every podcast after episode six, so keep listening. And if you love what you've been hearing, please leave a review and let me know what you think about the podcast. That means so much to me. Throwing out information into a podcast is kind of rough because you don't really know how people receive it. So leaving reviews helps me kind of know that it's being heard, it's getting out there. And if you have anything constructive, please email me, laurastan at icloud.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-Z-D-A-N. And make sure you follow me on Instagram, at Laura Stan, L-A-U-R-A-Z-D-A-N. I have the most amazing Instagram followers that I have gotten so close with. We message all the time. We talk about all kinds of stuff and it's just awesome. So follow me on Instagram, leave a review. If you have the time, I would really appreciate it and stay tuned for more about my exciting announcement that's coming. Hi, and welcome to the Not Neurotypical Podcast. I want to welcome you today, and I'm going to open up this podcast by sharing a little bit of stuff, what's been going on, and um, some things I've noticed lately. So I have a weird dental history, (laughs) and I will explain that to you. So Uh, I think I got regular checkups as a kid, probably fairly normal, Um, probably not quite as much as you're supposed to, but I basically had a couple small procedures. I had some fillings when I was a kid, um, things like that. I had spacers at some point for teeth growing in to make sure I didn't need braces and all that kind of stuff. But around 12, my parents took me to the dentist for a checkup and I had some fillings that needed to be filled and then they never took me back, which I found out recently. I'm not sure about every state, but in Pennsylvania that is considered child neglect. So wow. Okay. And it's something that I always gave them hell for, you know, like, wow, I can't believe you just took me to the dentist, you knew I needed to work done and never took me back. But what kind of happened is as an adult, I avoided the dentist because I couldn't even remember what it was like. Basically, um, I knew I needed help for certain things. Of course, my teeth didn't always feel great. I mean, I had confirmed fillings that needed to happen and it didn't happen. So the only time as an adult 
that I had gone were for emergency situations. Um, and I mean like emergency, like past a root canal phase, like where they just had to pull the teeth. Um, this is a little embarrassing, but I'm throwing it out there because I know that a lot of people have issues with the dentist. So this is my recent experience. So I am 35. I just took my three-year-old to the dentist for the first time because kids nowadays are supposed to go to the dentist between ages one and three. I don't really see why a kid at one should go to the dentist, but three, totally get it. So I took my second child or my middle child, Chloe, to the dentist. She did a great job. She was a little nervous, but overall did really great. My son came too. He's nine. He's been to the dentist a bunch of times. And I was thinking, I need to just go. I need to just do it. And I obviously got my ASD diagnosis in July, but thinking about my dental history and how I've avoided the dentist really makes sense with my diagnosis because I know sometimes it's hard for us to kind of face things that we need to do. Um, And it was far beyond demand avoidance. This was like, I am not going to go. And then another thing that happened is I, one of my clients had this guy living with them and he was an employee of theirs, really, really nice guy. And basically he had randomly totally freak incident had a stroke and it affected him really bad. And he's like late thirties, early forties, like really nice guy, healthy, rode his bike all over the city. And excuse me, they were telling me about him and I randomly asked, well, like what caused the stroke? And they're like, oh, well, they they think it was just a tooth got an infection and it went to his brain and he just had a stroke. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, I have to go to the dentist. I just, my brain went right to 12 years old when I was supposed to go back and I never really went back. So that happened. And then I'm just thinking about you know, when you have kids, you think about setting an example for them. So I'm just like, I need to just go to the dentist. So I did it. And I have, I'm very lucky to have a really great dentist just a block or two away from my house. So it's also very easy. There's literally no excuses. It's, it's like less than a five minute walk. The dentist has a great schedule. He's very good about scheduling, scheduling you whenever you need to get there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I went And, um, I was nervous because once again, this is the first time I'm going to the dentist after my diagnosis. And then after you get a late diagnosis, or maybe after you, I mean, maybe you think this every time anyway, I don't know, but I'm thinking like, do I tell the doctor that I'm autistic? Do I have to have that discussion? Um, you know, basically I didn't. I just told him that, you know, my, my real history of needing to go back and never going back and then just kind of going in for emergency procedures. And then now, you know, understanding that I need to get regular checkups and all of that. And he was very nice about it. So I was lucky. Um, I was a little worried I was going to be met with some like lectures or things like that, but he didn't do that at all. And But I needed quite a bit of work done, nothing major, um, but it was going to 
you know, be a couple sittings. So this morning was my third and I had a weird realization. Like he would kind of go in and start working and he'd be like, oh, that cavity is really deep. Do you, does it bother you? I mean, first of all, I have all the crap in my mouth, so I don't know how I'm supposed to respond, but I'm just like, eh. <laughs> um, and he asked me that a couple times. And then afterwards, I'm noticing that I don't really feel pain. It really just felt like like stress and anxiousness. Uh, and then I started to kind of think about it. And I think I just don't really feel tooth pain. Maybe not unless it's like really, really, really bad. But I've always read recently, obviously, that autistic people can either not quite feel pain like other people or they feel pain more intensely than other people. And just weird realization that maybe that's that, that I just wasn't really feeling tooth pain like a normal, for lack of a better word, person would. And maybe my teeth had been hurting for a long time and kind of just causing stress. So this is my public service announcement that if you haven't been to the dentist, just go. You might be having pain that's causing just stress that you don't need in your life. And maybe you need to just go regularly and check it out. And um, I don't know, it ended up being a good experience. I'm pretty much over now. I still have to go back one more time, but the major work is done. I already feel better. Just go. You know, that thing that's in the back of your head, just go do it because it's never as bad as we think it's going to be. Maybe. I can't promise that. But in my situation, it's never as bad as I think it's going to be. So I wanted to throw that out there. I've had that recent realization and it's powerful. It's powerful to know that maybe I don't feel things like other people do. And my brain isn't telling me that I need to take care of something. So those regular checkups are just so important for us. If our brain is not going to tell us what we need to do, like maybe some other people, we need those regular checkups even more. And I'm going to work on that. That's something I am going to improve on. But anyway, if you didn't know, I was just diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder less than four months ago. So you are getting my journey and my experience in real time. Everything that has been happening is right now. We are discussing current events and I'm sure eventually I'll do... Um, you know, podcasts where we go back and talk about how I've processed things since. But for now, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you should, because so much of my interaction from my journey is coming from there. And you can follow me at Laura Stan, that's L-A-U-R-A-Z-D-A-N. And I've met so many amazing people on there and received just the most touching and heartfelt private messages there. So I encourage you, if you relate or if you're struggling right now or going through anything, message me on Instagram and we can talk about stuff, see if I relate to you, see if I have any advice or whatever you're looking for. Even if you just want to vent, um, I would love to because all of this is all consuming me right now, if you haven't noticed. Um, 
So I'm into it. I'm into connecting with people who are going through this stuff just like me. And I mean, some of the messages I've received is about how I've inspired others to find their voice or take their mask off or start to be proud of who they are or even accepting their autism diagnosis. Um, Even some about um, someone accepting their child's diagnosis and how seeing someone um, being so open as an adult with it that they feel like they can relate to makes them feel a little better about their child's diagnosis. So I think just getting out there has been really great for me, but also for the autism community to kind of see the different types of people because we're all different. And, um, some of us might look like a normal person to, Um, the outside world. And I say normal in a neurotypical way. I don't mean that there are normal people and weird people and we're the weird people. That is not what I'm saying. But to the outside world, people make judgments based on how you look or how you act. And if you are someone who masks, masks, I can't say that. (laughs) If you are someone who masks very heavily, like I used to, I had everyone fooled. And I've said in a past episode, my strengths have always really shocked people, but also so has my weaknesses. Um, They've said, well, you can do this. Why can't you do that? Why is it so hard for you? What's going on? And that was said to me before I knew about my autism diagnosis, but it's a real thing that we have real amazing strengths. And we might have weaknesses that shock people and maybe sometimes it even shocks us like, why can't I do that? I really need to do that right now. Come on, come on, kick in, whatever, whatever I need right now, kick in. But life just isn't really like that, is it? But I wanted to share quickly some messages that I've been getting lately and it's just so moving and touching for me and I I just really want to share. So this one is... Basically, she stated, I just started listening to your podcast. You resonate with me so much. Thank you for sharing your story and your journey. I was diagnosed late, and I too have had abuse in my past. It's such a tough thing to go through, especially, I think, for women. It's good to know I'm not alone in how I feel and the things I go through day to day and have been through. So... Wow. I mean, that's so touching to me to know someone else has had a similar experience as me and they don't feel quite as alone. Or this next message. Thank you for sharing and everything you do. I'm not even five minutes into the podcast and I've cried. And oh my God, I'm going to tear up right now. I mean, like that kind of makes me sad that people are listening to my podcast and cried, but I also know that I've cried on the podcast, so I get it. (laughs) But um I know this is deep stuff, right? This is like not easy stuff to put out there. And I can't say it's been very easy for me. Um, But here's another message. I've always felt alone in my weirdness. When I found your Instagram and podcast, it was a relief to know that I'm not alone. It's not just me being overdramatic or crazy, which we have heard our whole lives. If you are going through a struggle, and it's not just autistic people, if you are going through a struggle and someone, or even yourself, if if people around you and you don't know exactly where that struggle is coming from, 
people just disregard it and say, oh, she's a psycho or, oh, she's just so dramatic. I mean, I can't tell you how much I've been called dramatic and I'm not going to lie. I've called my kids dramatic. I think it's like a little bit of human nature and I do feel bad about that, that I've ever said that. Um, but my son is so, so, so extra and my daughters, honestly, all three of my kids are so extra (laughs) and, um, while some of their struggles has not been drama and been real true struggles, they also are a little dramatic. <laughs> but anyway, um, any of them could carry, you know, a one-man show on a Broadway stage, trust me. But at the same time, um, it's also something that is said to disregard people or to just ignore people. It's an easy comment to shut down what's going on around them and it's harsh and it hurts. So think about calling someone dramatic before you really know what's going on because I've been called that many times during meltdowns and it hurts. It hurts. So think about it. Uh, Another message I've gotten, I've listened to the first two episodes of your podcast and I love it. You are a very warm and genuine person and I feel connected to you. Thank you for sharing your story. And on one of my stories, I shared that last comment and said, this means so much to me because I've been called cold and harsh many times growing up. And I got this reply, harsh and cold. No way. The person is absolutely right. In your podcast, you seem to be so warm and friendly and your voice is easy to listen to. Usually I can't listen to podcasts. I'm always zoning out after a few minutes, but your podcast I could easily listen to. And oh my goodness, people out there listening. I mean, I am kind of tearing up just right now talking about these comments and and the positive feedback I've gotten, but I just want to share. It's a funny thing about podcasts. When you record them, or at least in my case, I'm alone. So there's no one else in the room with me. It's just me. I'm in my bedroom. I'm in my safe space when I record this. And you are just putting information out there. Really, you're talking into a microphone. It's going into your computer. And you never know when people are listening. It's almost like it's unreal, okay? Because you can't see people's reactions. It's not like you're at a movie and you can kind of look around and see how people are receiving the information. It's just kind of like you speak to to a wall and then kind of wait to hear like what people think. It's really weird. I, I can't really explain it. Hopefully you get what I'm saying. Um, because I rely on this feedback. And there was a couple months where I was like, okay, is anyone kind of into this? I don't really know how people are taking this stuff, this information. And then slowly but surely, I started to get the feedback and thank you. I just want to say thank you so much for reaching out to me on Instagram, which is where I received all of those messages. And I want to be honest too, as you know, I am, I'm very genuine and this is all real. Some of the feedback almost feels too nice. And I am not meaning that in a personal way for the people who gave me compliments and this podcast compliments. Thank you. But I think I'm feeling some sort of imposter syndrome. Um, When someone tells me I've inspired them to get their own evaluation, or I've helped them to be themselves and take off their mask, 
I think to myself, that is so cool, but I haven't even really shared my own diagnosis with everyone yet. And I kind of go to a negative place. I'm not exactly sure why, and I'm working on this, but maybe it's because this podcast is all in real time and I'm still just processing so much at the moment and it's all still very, very new. Um, It hasn't even been four months yet, like I said in the beginning, and I was officially diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder on July 1st, so it's not even November 1st yet. It hasn't even been four months And I'm just still finding my footing and getting comfortable with all of this. And I am doing it in a way that might seem really brave to the outside world. But to me, I'm kind of doing this to an invisible public. Um, I think the only person I know in real life that's on my Instagram page is my husband. And I have over 2,000 followers on there. And a majority of them are just the most amazing people that I've met ever, probably, and just really cool, interesting, smart, and a lot of them are autistic or parents of autistic children, and I just feel like I finally found, you know, like really cool people that I can relate to in my life for the first time ever, because I've always kind of felt like I was on the outside looking in. But I don't know many of these people in real life. So um, telling me I'm brave right now, I feel almost like I feel bad. (laughs) Like I'm like, I want to accept the compliments, but I also feel like, okay, I'm still not fully out there because um, it's not like my friends and family on my Instagram and I grew it from there. I mean, I made this side Instagram account Um, just to kind of have an outlet. And I encourage all of you to do that. Um, It is a really, really great way to start to be comfortable with a new diagnosis or a new life change. Um, By, for me, I obviously, if you've been to my Instagram page, you know that I deal with humor and that's how I deal with things. I cope by using humor and we laugh a lot about Um, what's going on in our lives with memes on my Instagram page. And we relate through memes and sharing and calling horrible people out and, you know, (laughs) bringing light to negative things against autism and autistic people and all of that. But I'm still doing it in a way that I feel like maybe isn't brave, but I also recommend to everybody. So think about that. It's, It's really great to create that side page that you don't have to let anyone know about until you're ready. And I will when I'm ready and I'm close, I think, but not quite ready. Um, like I said, I'm still kind of finding my footing and I think that it just makes me feel a little bit like a fraud, honestly, because the truth is that I needed all of you guys that are listening and the people on my Instagram just as much as any of you might have, need, might have needed to listen to my experience and my journey right now. Um, I needed a creative outlet to express myself because that's something that's important to me. And I wanted to do it to a safe audience. And I have found that and I'm very lucky and grateful and I really want to express my gratitude for allowing me to grow as a person right here in front of you. And 
I really appreciate that, but I still kind of feel like an imposter. So just sharing that. I don't really know how you're supposed to (laughs) feel about that, but just being honest. But when do I plan on coming out of the autism closet? I am not sure. I'm close, like I said, but I'm not quite there. And you know what it is? You know what I don't want to deal with? So I guess the public perception of autism is so to one side or the other or just completely false or misrepresented or whatever you want to say. It's so just like messed up that it feels like coming out to friends or family about my personal diagnosis is going to have to be like a huge educational thing. Like, I don't know. I don't really know what course of action I'm going to take. I'm probably going to put up like a blog post and share links to it on Facebook or something. I don't know. (laughs) It's, It's just like one of those things where I roll my eyes even thinking about having to not only tell everyone about a diagnosis, but deal with, oh, you don't look autistic or, oh, well, you're fine then because you're doing good. You know, like those really annoying comments that you hear if you uh, look a certain way or, you know, like me, I own my own business. I have a family. Um, So I guess if you do those things, you can't struggle, right? No, wrong. But anyway, I am... So not looking forward to that. And I'm an avoider. I avoid situations that I'm not really into and I can't predict. And coming out is unpredictable. And I hate that. (laughs) I want to have a plan and I'm a texter and I'm an emailer because I can get my thoughts out in a clear way. And someone can respond to me and I can soak it up and process it and then figure out what I'm going to write back. And, you know, I am someone who has to be prepared, as I've said many times. And I do not feel prepared for that coming out of the closet situation um, because just my son getting diagnosed. And then now most recently, my daughter, who is two, almost three, was just diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder as well. So welcome Gigi to the club. (laughs) You have joined me, mommy and Hunter um, in a very, very special club. (laughs) And um I'm so proud of Gigi. She went through, this poor girl went through so many evaluations because not only is she receiving early intervention, she's receiving speech therapy and occupational therapy, and she does have a speech and language delay. So she was kind of going through all that and evaluations for that stuff because it changes to a new company, um, early intervention company when she turns three. So she's going through all of that. And then she was going through multiple evaluations for possible ASD. And we saw a neurologist for something else that we were referred to. And then she was like, no, it looks like autism to me, but she's not, you know, fully trained in developmental stuff. So she was like, well, why don't you, you know, you need to see a pediatric um, developmental pediatrician 
And then also get the speech evaluation and all of that. And this girl within a couple weeks had like five or six evaluations at two, which I would die having five or six evaluations in a couple weeks, let alone this poor girl. And she handled it like such a champ. So I want to shout out to my Gigi. Um, She is so strong and inspiring and she handled all of the evaluations like a pro. And she got her diagnosis, and I'm so proud of her. And she has such a bright future ahead of her. But anyway, um, based on my two children's diagnosis and explaining that to people, which it's not as hard for me um, to share with friends and family that my kids have a diagnosis because... um, it's not me. I don't know how to explain that. Like I can totally stick up for my kids and say whatever I need to say for them. And you can put me on the spot and I will, I'm like, you know, mama tiger. Um, but with me, why can't I do that? I don't know. It's something I'm working on. Uh, put me on the spot and I just kind of clam up and avoid the whole situation, but put my kids on the spot and I'm like barking at you. So, uh, why is there that disconnect? Why do I not respect and love myself in the same way where if you come at me with any myth or BS statistic, why can I not just like shout right back and tell you how it is? Because I do that with my kids. I know I'm capable of that. Why can't I do it for myself? I don't know. I guess it's anxiety, I would assume. I don't know what else it could be because I do like myself in general as a person. I know how to stick up for myself. I obviously can stick up for my children really easily. Do I love having to do that? No, but I can do it. Um, Do I feel like it's not worth it for myself. No, I feel like it's worth it to stick up for myself. So what is that disconnect? I don't know, but it's frustrating and it must be anxiety because I do feel incredibly anxious when I am having, when I know I'm going into a situation where where I am going to have to stick up for myself. It's very hard and I don't really know why. And another situation that I'm kind of struggling with right now is when I do plan on coming out of the autism closet as it relates to my business, how am I going to handle that? Um, If you didn't know, I am a professional organizer and a personal coach that specializes in neurodivergent people. I mostly work with ADHD people as a consultant. And I started my company about four years ago. And last year, early in the year, so it was probably around like February, I didn't know that my late diagnosis of autism was coming. But either way, I outed myself publicly to my clients and my Instagram followers about having ADHD. And I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen with that, but it ended up being a really great thing. And it was really exciting. And organizing and coaching is a very, very personal thing. And opening up with my own struggles ended up making me kind of seem a little more approachable to potential clients. And they knew I wasn't going to judge them. So it was a good thing. And fast forward to this year, and I was faced with 
another dilemma. Do I mention I'm autistic publicly to my current and potential clients? Do I put that out there? Sure, ADHD is commonly misunderstood, but in general, ADHD is in no way misunderstood quite like autism is publicly. And I don't want to minimize the struggle that anyone with ADHD has had who is listening because I've been through that and I have dealt with the struggle. So please know I am not minimizing anything. I am personally sharing what I have seen from thinking I was only ADHD to then being thrusted into this autism world and kind of getting a glimpse at both worlds separately and then now together. So this is just my experience. But there are not large groups of people denying modern research in regards to ADHD like you see with autism. And yes, there are misinformed people or those that fall prey to stigma. But you don't commonly hear people claiming that vaccines cause ADHD. And when talking about gut health, you more hear about how it can help ADHD symptoms more than curing it like autism, or the people who look down on ADHD in some way typically have more of a beef with stimulants more than anything, sadly, but that's just typically what you see a little more. And still, a late diagnosis of autism as a business owner is a whole different ballgame because I just went through this last year with ADHD And now I'm just like, whoa, this is a lot more complicated. I already mentioned that coming out to friends and family will already be a huge educational session. What about coming out in a business forum? I mean, that is just so much more complicated. I don't even know what else to say. But for now, my first step is going to be coming out to friends and family. And I plan to do it soon. And of course, I will keep you updated every step of the way. And since I do better in writing, I will most likely address it in some way through writing for most people. Um, I would like to share more on Facebook and spread more education in that way. So my goal is not to mask as much and start the rest of my life on a journey that I will be happy and proud of. That's my major goal. I want my kids to see someone who is happy more than anything, because I think that's what they'll remember most. I think about my childhood and my parents had a really rocky marriage, a lot of skeletons in the closet. And what I remember most is that they were never really happy. Um, And I just don't want my kids to look back and think like that about me because they will remember what the experiences they had with me were like. They won't remember how much money I spent on them and they won't care how many vacations we went on or how many toys I bought them. They will remember how it felt to be around me and how much time we spent together, and the love we shared, and how much we laughed together. And that's exactly why I want to start this journey in a healthy way. And not only for me, but for them, especially now that I have two confirmed kids with ASD. They are going to be watching me. They know I have it too. And I will be their support in their transition into adulthood 
which was my worst time. Um, and I needed the most support then at a time when parents are, you know, sending their kids off, go ahead, baby, spread your wings. Um, I needed more support than ever. And I got the least amount of support. And, you know, I'm going to be thinking about that as they grow and they might be different than me. Maybe they're getting the support they need now so that their adult, you know, transition into adulthood will be better. I hope, I hope every step of their life will be better than mine. But I think that's like, if you really love your kids, that's what you want for them, right? You want your kids to be better, do better, all of that. And, you know, they're going to be watching. They're going to see how I cope with masking versus not masking anymore. And it's a lot of pressure, but it's worth it. They keep me wanting to be my best. And I can't guarantee that I would be handling this as good as I am if I didn't have kids. Like, that's a total realization. When you have eyes watching, I call that the stage effect. Um, I mentioned that recently on my Instagram that my kids watching me help me to be my best because the more eyes on me, for some reason, the more chances of me getting the stuff I need to get done, just being better for myself, taking care of myself. Uh, For some reason, when I'm like alone in a cave, nothing matters, not even myself, nothing. (laughs) And um, I don't know why that is. I don't like that about myself, but it's a reality. So I'm dealing with it and I'm facing it. And I use my kids as a way to get myself to take care of myself. And I think it's really important to have that support. You know, I use my kids as a support in that way. I use my husband as a support in that way. Like I'll tell him, I really need to do this this week. Can you just like send me friendly reminders or something? I'll even tell him how to handle it, but that's what we have to do. You know, you got to get it done however you need. You need to figure out what support works and then advocate. And it's really, really hard to do that. I think it's most, it's mostly hard to even figure out what works for you and what you actually need. At least for me, you know, I'm 35 and I feel like I'm maybe halfway there. (laughs) Uh, That might be me being hard on myself. I'm definitely really hard on myself, but I have a long way to go. But it's good for this podcast, right? Because I am going to be having a lot of content to talk to you guys about over the next however long. Uh, But I feel like it's going to be a long time. So like I said, strap on your seatbelts because it's going to be a crazy ride. 